to the Red Seat Podcast. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Part of the Over the Monster Network. Swing a high deep drive to right field. That one's stalled to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Presented by SB Nation. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. in 2017 for Chris Sale. An absolute strikeout machine. 13 tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. They're all loaded. High fly ball. Deep into left center field. Way back in carries. Deep left center field. Devers has hit it out. The rookie takes Chapman the other way to tie the game. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru and of many cell phone messages. Keaton, how are you? Doing great. Yeah, that was that was a loud one. That was, uh, that was a text for uh, football tickets. I went to uh, the Michigan-Illinois game with a buddy this weekend. That was fun. Where was Michigan that? almost lost. It was in Champaign. So uh, my buddy, he's a Michigan fan, was looking for someone to go with, so I went with him. And uh, Michigan almost lost. So it was really fun to just clown him the entire time. <laughs> so Was it a fun game? Yeah, it was. It was a good game. I have no real affiliation to any college football team at all. So I was just there for a good time. So Nice. Yeah, and I it loosely was a good uh, root for LSU because I used to live with uh, one of my old roommates who was an LSU fan, so I used to tune into a lot of the LSU games and actually went down to uh, Baton Rouge. Didn't get to go to a game, but you know, saw the stadium and stuff. It seemed pretty sweet. So if I had to root for a team, it would be the LSU Tigers, which has not been great over the last eight years that I've chosen to be a <coughs> LSU rooter. Um, they just get creamed by Alabama every year, so maybe this year will be different. Maybe. When I lived in Pennsylvania, I went to a bunch of Penn State games, and they were super, super fun. So I'm kind of like similar. If I had to root for someone, it'd be Penn State, but I don't. Uh, I don't follow them all all that closely. Yeah. But they're doing well this year, so maybe I should start following closer. 
with how close we follow baseball, it's difficult to put that type of energy into anything else. Yeah. I, I am almost jealous, though, with the – it really is like a like a full-on culture being a college football fan. And it's like family lineage and there's, there's songs and things and it's a lot. But uh, I'm kind of glad I grew up in New England where no one gave a shit. Yeah, no one cares. And uh, people actively root against BC uh, over here. So <laughs> that, is, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, but we are not here to talk about college football. We are here to talk about baseball, Red Sox baseball in particular. And one of the things that we've been talking about on this show, we have taken a little bit of a hiatus. We're going to be with you guys every other week. Um, so we missed last week. Um, but this week we're here with you and we're going to talk about um, where our projected rosters come out in terms of uh, salary. Um, and w- we can do this better now um, because we have the MLB trade rumors arbitration projections. Um, so now we can actually look at those projections and uh, make better educated guesses as to what our prospective teams would come out to in terms of salary. Um, so let's just get right into that um, because that was a fun thing that we did. Um, yeah. So we had a few differences <clears throat> on our rosters, uh, but a lot of similarities. I think the biggest difference in our starting nine, Keaton, was that um, yours included all of the outfielders that they currently have now. Um, Is that a monster truck going by? I really don't. I have no concept of what could be making that noise, but it is loud. (laughs) Um, But you had JBJ, Betts, and Andrew Benintendi sticking together on your roster. Yeah. Uh, I have no JBJ on mine, and I have Chavis playing left field. You have DH. uh, And I have Justin Smoke as the DH. So really the differences between our starting lineups are uh, I have Justin Smoke and you have JBJ. Um, I project Justin Smoke coming in at $4 million as a free agent signee coming off a bad year. Um, And we also have a difference in projection uh, with Scooter Jeanette. Uh, We both have him as the starting second baseman. I projected him out at an $8 million salary, and you projected him at a $2 million salary. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that is a large gap. That is our biggest gap. Um, why are you projecting him at a $2 million salary? Yeah, so he was making $3 million this year. Uh, he had a really bad year, uh, and now he's going into a free agent after having been waived by the San Francisco Giants. Um, so that's just a lot of things going against him. So I just I would be surprised if after all of that someone – ended up investing a significant amount in him. Um, I almost expect him to sign like a one, a really cheap one-year deal uh, to prove that last year was just him being hurt, and he's a lot better than that, and then hitting free agency again after that, after he's proven that he's actually much better than this really terrible year. Yeah, I see the logic. Um, my disagreement with that is I think mostly centered on the fact that Scooter Jeanette's three-year deal last year was his last arbitration figure. So to me, arbitration figures and the free agent market don't have a ton to do with one another. Um, But I do agree with you that he had a really bad year last year. 
Um, the comp that I kind of looked to to see where I would project him salary rise was Brian Dozier, um, who this past year signed with the Nationals on a one-year $9 million deal. Um, and Dozier was 31 years old, coming off a really, really bad season the year before. Um, and I think that Scooter Jeanette being 29 instead of 31 and being similarly good the year before, 4.5 war versus 5.1 for Dozier the year before the bad year. Um, I think some team will, will gamble that on him uh, to see and kind of give him a little bit of a show-me deal. Um, but maybe what's more likely than either of our deals is something sort of in between, maybe something in like that $4.5 million range. Yeah, I don't think that would be all that much of a reach. I think so it's it's kind of a, a twofold, the pointing out that he made $3 million last year. So he was waived um, – not long after the Giants uh, acquired him at the trade deadline. So there was like a around a month and a half left in the season when he was waived, and no one felt that he was worth being picked up at a prorated salary of about half a million dollars. So that's the part that if last year no one thought that him being that cheap for a month and a half was worth scooping him up after he'd been waived – a significant investment just kind of seems like a bit of a stretch to me at that point. Yeah, I think it's all going to come down to how healthy he is in the spring training. And he yeah. only needs one one of these teams yep. uh, to believe in him. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I think that a lot of the reason why he didn't get signed down the stretch is because I don't think teams believed that he was fully healthy. I mean, he was dealing with a very, very significant groin injury. Um, he one sure that was. sounded really horrible, um, in fact, and that I don't wish to ever experience so hopefully he just gets back healthy um, but the difference between our two uh, salaries right there um, with our <clears> projections <throat> there um, was not all that much because there's six million more on Scooter Jeanette for me um, and the savings between Jackie Bradley Jr. and Justin Smoke uh, were about seven million so I only came out one million dollars ahead in our starters groups hmm. I don't, uh, after seeing the arbitration projections, I'm not real thrilled about JBJ at 11. JBJ at 11 is a lot. Um, yeah. For a very limited player. Yeah. I mean, we just, we really do know what he is right now. He's getting projected at 11. He is like a true talent 230, 240 hitter with incredible streakiness. Yeah. So you don't have him on your team. Are you. Do you think they trade him, or are you just expecting they just don't tender him a contract? I expect that they're going to trade him um, to get prospects. Um, I think that that is going to be the move here. It's not really going to be a major league player trade. I think that they're going to get a couple decent prospect flyers. I'm not looking for anything like in a team's top 10 in their system, but I'm looking at like maybe two or three prospects between 10 and 20 in a team system. All right. I think for 11000000 million, I'd, I'd much prefer that. That's a, that one was a lot a lot more than I was expecting. I don't really guess really know what I was expecting because he was making like, what, like $9 million last year? Yeah. So I don't really know why this surprised me, but it did. It was a little much. I had actually projected him for $11 million, so I was not surprised by this at all. 
What I was surprised by was Mookie Betts, though. Um, yeah. That's low for me, yep. 27.7. That's exactly what I thought, too. I thought for sure his projection was going to be more than Arenado. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that one's wrong. I mean, these guys do a great job, but um, occasionally they do get something wrong. And I think he could easily be right in that I expect Mookie's, yeah, that's exactly the number I expect Mookie to go to the Arbiter, I guess, with or slash Red Sox with is an even 30. And they should pay it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They should pay it. Uh, He is worth every penny. Uh, Moving down to the benches, um, we have almost the same bench. Um, You have... Juan Centeno, uh, Marcus Hernandez, Marco Hernandez, Sam Travis, uh, and Brock Holt. And instead of Brock Holt, I have Siwei Lin. Um, you have Brock Holt signing a deal for $3 million a year. Yeah. Mr. Holt at $3 million. Yeah. So you don't think there's going to be much of a market for Holt? I don't. How come? I, I don't know. Do you think there will be? Um, yeah. I think there'll probably be like four or five teams in a row. And I think that it'll be teams that are looking for sort of that clubhouse school guy in the versatility that he brings to a bench. And I just don't think that the Red Sox are going to want to reach to overpay for a $31 million player. I think if they can get him for $3 million, that that's worth it. Um, I absolutely agree, but I just think that somebody's going to overpay him. Hmm. Well, he was an all-star. He was an all-star. So was Stephen Wright. Maybe someone will overpay him. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) So do you think he'll he'll have any offers to be a starter, or do you think that this is just like teams are looking at him as, you know, just, just the bench player? Uh, the only team that I think would offer him a role to be a starter would be the Marlins. Hmm. Mm, maybe Detroit. Would that be like a Marlins thing or a Detroit thing or maybe both of these places to groom younger players? Or would this be like just because their clubs are bad? Just because their rosters are really bad. <laughs> it seems like Miami values the versatility thing a lot more than Detroit. Okay. So maybe Miami seems like a fit. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I just feel like the way that ownership's been talking that Brock Holt is not part of their plans. Seems like the way ownership has been talking, no one currently on the roster is really <laughs> in their plans. Yeah. Except Bogart's endeavors. That's it. Only two players on the 25-man roster they intend to keep beyond 2020. Yeah, it does seem like those guys are the only real locks at this point. Um, so your bench is going to cost about $2.5 million more than mine, but I do really like the idea of Brock Holt for $3 million, so I hope you're right. Um, starting pitchers. This is where we differ a little bit. You have Chris Sale, David Price at their full salaries. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez comes in with his arbitration projection at $9.5 million. And then you have Michael Walker at $10 million and Tanner Roark at $7.5 million as free agents with Nate Eovaldi being traded to another club. Um, I do like your projections for both of those players, Walker and Roark. I think those are spot on. Thanks, pal. Um, I have 
a little bit of a different setup here. I have Ivaldi on the team. I do have Tanner Roark um, with the club um, as well, and I kept your projection because I liked it so much. Um, but I have Cole Hamels signing a $16 million deal with the team in the place of David Price, and I have David Price being traded. But then I have the club eating $16 million of David Price's money, so half of his money. Uh-huh. And so basically I have the club trading David Price to somebody for prospects, All essentially. Right. So I was just thinking about this while I was doing laundry mm-hmm. because what else do you do when you're doing laundry in Atlanta? So I really don't think that David Price is going to get traded unless – so I found one one taker here. A team that is nowhere near any of the luxury tax thresholds and is also able to compete for the playoffs. Tampa Bay? No, but you're close. Yeah. Um, and is probably like a veteran piece away from kind of making more of a splash. But they're going to want more than just that and that team is Oakland, who you've actually made a trade uh, similar in similar fashion before, the Leicester deal. They actually made a couple. Mm-hmm. They did the Leicester deal, and then they did the um, with the, the Cubs, the Smarja and Hamill, Jason Hamill. Yep. And then they ended up like losing 30 games and <laughs> not being close to the playoffs. But um, I imagine for the price that uh, – the lesser cost, they would say, sure, we'll take him, but we're also going to want Ben Intendi. And then you'll have to pay like 8 to $10 million of prices deal, and then you can have Franklin Barreto and two other lower-level prospects, and now Barreto becomes the Red Sox second baseman. Ugh, I hate that. Really? I don't want anything to do with Franklin Barreto or trading Andrew Ben Intendi as part of a David Price deal. I just I'm- don't see how any team just takes David Price. I just don't see it. If David Price is a free agent for $16 million a year, a bunch of teams are lining up to sign him. You're right. But so all you that's just do is money. cover half of his money. And give up something. Well, you're giving up like probably lower-level guys right? for the rights to do that. I mean, that this trade deadline, it was pulling teeth to get any kind of prospects from any team. Now all of a sudden teams like prospects and don't want to train any of them at any level. Even the Red Sox, the when they um, um shit, who were the guys that they traded? They traded two guys that were like um international signees from a couple of years ago and they were annoyed that they had to do it because of the potential upside that they had in five years. Yeah, I do get that the league has been much more reticent to trade prospects, but I wouldn't want to trade a Benny in a situation like that. I'd be much more okay doing like a Price and a JBJ trade package together. I would too. I just don't know if anyone's going to take it. Yeah. I think that Price contract is going to be a hard one to move, and I think more likely than not that all of the people – that are in their rotation right now are going to come back. I would probably guess that Sale, Price, Eovaldi, and uh, 
Well, they need a fifth from somewhere. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to yeah. come back, and that they're going to probably uh, either trade for somebody who's got like a year left. I could easily see that trade that I was uh, looking at JBJ for prospects being JBJ for a starter who has like one year left. You know, somebody who's in the same position as JBJ is. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... No one comes to mind. I'd have to look at a list. Yeah. um, Matt and I did look at this. I can't remember who we came up with uh, last time. But, yeah, it was, you know, it's not, like, the most impressive list in the world or anything. But they'd probably prefer moving money around a little bit yeah. um, via trade than actually signing somebody like a Tanner Roark to probably a multi-year commitment. Yeah. But I think you're right. That's probably the most likely outcome is that everyone in the starting rotation is back. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard to move these guys right now. Um, looking at the bullpens, uh, we have... Almost the exact same bullpen, except um, you have uh, Will Smith, and I have a different Will. I have a Will Harris. Um, you're projecting Will Smith to make $12 million bucks a year, and I'm projecting Will Harris to make $6 million bucks a year. I have Workman staying the closer with Barnes and Will Harris as the setup men, and uh, you have Will Smith as the new closer. Um, so my bullpen be cheaper than yours by six million yeah but your bullpen be better than mine by will smith yeah i like my bullpen better yes i would agree um so add all this up and we have uh eight million dollars for bonuses 15 million for medical expenses um, and I also have $16 million in dead money from the David Price trade on mine, um, bringing my total to two hundred seven six, which is 400000 <laughs> under Walking that the first luxury tax. Yes, absolutely. And uh, they do get the ability to reset, but also uh, the Red Sox in this scenario have the ability to, if they are off to a hot start um, and feel like they can be contenders, they have the ability to, you know, go past that threshold. Um, but at least they get to go under it and see if they decide to sell off more assets as the year goes on. Yeah. Where'd you come in, Keaton? 210. So we didn't quite get under there. But uh, if we if we put your bullpen on my team, um, my total salaries would be less than yours. Yes, yes. That is the big difference. Uh, I think my $16 million in dead money is what really kills my team. Um, from yeah. The David Price trade. If, you know, in your scenario, you have somebody taking on all of the Eovaldi money. I do. So I think he's just a lot easier to move. You also have that magical $2 million Jeanette. <laughs> I do, yeah. Basically, if uh, Pedroia retires, though... Um, my roster is in pretty good shape. It would be. Yeah, absolutely. So that Pedroia retirement thing, it would be huge. Uh, the other thing you'll notice about our uh, two rosters here are that um, 
you know, neither of our rosters includes J.D. Martinez. We both have him opting out, and we both have Mookie Betts not getting traded um, this offseason. So, so it, looking like forward that. to our 2021 roster projections, uh, where's Mookie? Oof. I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> I think they find a way to keep him. They have to. There's just no no way that they don't keep him and that that's okay with anybody. There really seems like a lot of low-hanging fruit as I look at this roster. Like, JBJ's 11 mil. Get that out of there. I mean, if so if we look at 2021, there's actually a whole lot of money that comes off the books because, I mean... We, whether Pedroia retires next year or not, his 15 mil is gone 2021. Same with Jackie Bradley Jr. They can just let him walk. So that's $26 million they can use to add to the probably $30 million. Wait, when is Pedroia's contract up? Is it next year the last year? I'm pretty sure... Last year's um, it. It's either he retires with a year left on his contract, or he just rides out next year at fifteen mil. Which, if I'm him, I mean, why not pocket another fifteen mil? Yeah. Um, so the way I'm seeing it is that 2021, he's still on the books. He is for what? For thirteen point seven. On the CBT, in actual money, he'll be making twelve point one. But he's got twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. The Red Sox would be better suited to like do a, a full buyout with him and have him retire. But I don't know if they do that if they would still carry. What's the... Yeah, actually, that's a good question. You know, if they do that and they I don't know pay if up they do either. contract up front, like does does that give them more flexibility? I would assume no. I would assume they'd still have to carry that on the CBT. I'm not sure there's any way out of this money. Aside from him retiring and deciding he does not want to be paid. Yeah, I guess that might be it. Maybe they could do something funky, but I don't know about that. But do you think they find a way to keep bets? No. Sad. Very sad. I know. I think that they're going to be annoyed um, by him going to free agency, which they shouldn't be. Um, and they'll completely biff that and he'll end up signing somewhere else. Like, they'll be petty about it that he didn't resign before he got to free agency. And so they'll just avoid the bidding war altogether. Or they'll they'll figure out whatever it is that he's being offered and offer like $20 million less and then just be like, well, we offered as much as we could and he just decided to leave and then blame it on him. That's always fun. Yeah, they'll pull one of those. Well, just for the sake of uh, closing this out and putting a little bow on uh, the segment here, um, other projections that the 
Uh, MLB Trade Rumors has for ARB salaries, Sandy Leon at 2.8. We both don't think he'll be back. Chris Owings at 3. We don't think he'll be back. Stephen Wright at 1.5. We don't think he'll be back. Heath Embry at 1.6. We don't think he'll be back. And uh, Gorky Hernandez at 1 million. I initially thought he'd be back, um, but I changed my tune a little bit. I don't think he will be back. And then Marco Hernandez at 700K, and we do think he'll be back. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we are going to get to your listener questions. Okay, welcome back. Listener questions, Keaton. Zach has our first question, and he says, Going along with the other questions, do you think there's a timeline where ownership decides to say, screw it, and getting under the luxury tax? Say if the Sox are keeping Mookie and JD opts in, pitchers are healthy, and there's a one-year window to compete. Who boy. Um, I would like to say yes, but they seem like their priority is resetting the luxury bonuses versus winning a World Series. So I, I think the answer is no. Yeah, I just don't see this scenario happening. I think if JD opts in, I think the Sox are going to trade Mookie. Like, I, I think that's the thing that we think, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, that... I hate that that's the narrative now, but I mean, I don't think that like the people that have been reporting on that, like the Alex Spears, it does not doesn't sound like conjecture. That no, it sounds, sounds like, like reporting it as an either or. <laughs> right. You know, and that's what bothers me about this. So, you know, Zach, I I think uh, I'm with you. I'd love to see JD opt in and them not trade Mookie and then just like see how things perform. But I just don't think they're going to give the the team the chance to even do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. <clears throat> yeah, it sucks. Uh, ben Jacobson says. Why do we have to go under 208 and trade Mookie? Just why? I also like Jackie, so this offseason is going to suck. Just why? <laughs> it's that money, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's just that that billionaire, you know, crying about their money. And the, I mean, is there any doubt at this point about just the, the league-wide effort to suppress salaries? based on the uh, the qualifying offer going down for the first time ever? Nope. Nope, there is no doubt. This next CBA is going to be contentious. Real, real contentious. And hopefully the players don't do dumb stuff and screw themselves. I'm surprised that like there's there's not more from the fans here on this. I mean, particularly with the Red Sox. Like, they're crying about the luxury tax bonuses, but they're raising prices on tickets and concessions, and they successfully lowered the price of the qualifying offer league-wide, but they're still complaining that the players are making too much. I don't understand it. You know, and then they're I think like, it's... you know what? We just can't put a winning team on the field. Well, you can. You're just refusing to do it. You're just actively refusing to do it. I think baseball as a whole right now is just saved by how awesome its top-level talent is and how good the product is on the field. You know, you take the Red Sox, throw them out the window. They were great last year, but, you know, just watching the playoffs this year, there's just been so many amazing performances by the game's top stars. And we're seeing another one tonight with Strasburg. 
blanking the Cardinals. Nine strikeouts, zero hits. I mean, zero earned runs, zero walks. You know, just four hits allowed, nine nine strikeouts. The dude is just crushing. Um, exactly what you Soto. expected to see. You get to the playoffs, and Annabelle Sanchez throwing a no-hitter in the NLCS. <sighs> Game's dude. top talent, doing what they do. <laughs> that was amazing, by the way. <laughs> it really was. I wanted that so bad. But, you know, like... Getting back to that point, though, it is so much easier to focus on what's good about the game during times like this than it is to focus on the the crappy, dirty, gross money part of the game. Agreed. That's what so that was a me sad one. Back. Yeah. Um, Funksboro says, "Can I lead a coup against Red Sox ownership and install Robert Kraft as the owner and Danny Ainge as the general manager?" I feel like. Those two dudes don't really fit with baseball. I don't know that they'd get along either. I don't know that Mr. Kraft and his Orients of Asia or whatever (laughs) would uh, really go along with the Danny Ainge lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think Danny Ainge goes for a special massage. You're right, but that seems right in Kraft's wheelhouse because, I mean, spring training's down there, so he has a reason to be there uh, every spring. Doesn't he have a reason to be there every spring just on the fact that he's, like, 80 years old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true, too. <laughs> it's sort of written into every old person's contract that they're allowed to go to Florida for a certain amount of the year. <laughs> what a nightmare of a state. Count me out. Uh, Mike Toomey has our next question. He says, can the Red Sox get under by swapping price for a historically bad contract like Will Myers that has a lower AAV? Chris Davis. Oh, why did you even say that name? Mm, uh, I Chris would say Davis, Cabrera, no, thank you. But he has more years in the same dollars than AAV is price. Um, Man, what a deal that was. Th- that's an interesting one, though, the um, the – Will Myers one? What is that contract? Yeah, San Diego hates Will Myers, too. They do, and they could <laughs> definitely use David Price. Like, that would be a very good ad for... What do you mean? They have Garrett Richards. <laughs> Garrett Richards can use a, a a running mate, can't he? That's true. Um, so he's making $14 million a year. I actually think that that's a really interesting idea. I really like that idea. Because Will Smith is really annoying to that team, and I think that the Red Sox would really like to have Will Smith at his current salary. You mean Myers? Will, yeah, Will Myers. Um, that's I mean, it makes a lot. Will more Smith, sense. Will Myers, bring them both. Well, you could potentially, <laughs> right? If you brought yeah. over Will Myers, you could potentially pay Will Smith with the rest of the money that you're saving. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple Padres guys that. Uh, I follow on Twitter, and they hate Will Myers, like a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like they they might even pay the Red Sox to take David Price and give us Will Myers. I think that, that's a really <clears throat> fascinating option. Yeah, for that a is team an that like one. will definitely be looking to add and compete, and is in a healthy financial situation in the the Padres, so they could, you and, know. Um, they What's could his take face? that money on. They're, um, oh, my God. They're GM. Why can't I think of his name? Preller? Preller. Preller, yeah. Um, he's on the hot seat this year now that he fired the manager. It's basically all on him. 
So if they like suck balls again, he's gone. So I mean, one way to solidify the pitching rotation, bring David Price in, satisfy all the fans, get Will Myers out of there, that might actually work. Ah, oh, I love this idea. So let me just paint paint you this picture for next year's rotation. Uh, you would have David Price, Chris Paddock, Garrett Richards, Denilson Lamette, and Joey Lucchese as your starting five with Cal Quantrill waiting in the wings and Mackenzie effing Gore ready to come up at any time if one of those guys gets injured or if you just want to beef up that thing and turn the volume up to 11. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That would be nasty. Let's go along that, with Tatis and Machado in the field. Oh, and my yeah. boy Hunter Renfro launching 40 bombs. Yeah, I like that a lot, man. Padre is going to be fun. Yeah. Let's Good do it. Good question. Let's call him up. Good question. They don't have, Red Sox don't have a GM right now, so we're going to have to act as the GM, so let's call him up. Fine. Done. Uh, Kevin Bolton has two questions. Um, one I like, one I hate. Kevin, I hate your first question, uh, and I agree with you. It's salty to even write it out, but he says, Devers' stock is stupid high right now. After his breakout season, what kind of trade would he haul in if that was on the table? So I was looking at this, and um, Fangraphs ranks the trade value of guys every year, and would you like to guess where Devers came in on the Fangraphs' top uh, 50 in trade value? Was it just like top fifty players and like their top top fifty based on things like how many guaranteed years, how long their team controlled, how well they perform on the field in terms of war, and how well they project to uh, perform over the remainder of their controlled years? I would say bottom half of the top ten. Uh, Fourteen. So the guys they have ahead They're of him: close. Francisco Lindor, Glaber Torres, Walker Bueller. And then the top 10 is, do, 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 wait for it, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Matt Chapman, Alzi Albies, Christian Yellick, Juan Soto, Alex Bregman, Corey, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis, and Ron Acuna. So it is pretty damn good company. Mm, yeah. But directly below him, there are some interesting guys that I think could be an option. And the one that I looked at uh, was actually uh, just outside of the top 20. And that was Mets starting pitcher, Jacob deGrom, coming in at number 24. So Jacob deGrom uh, is under contract um, until 2023, his age 35 season. Um, he has a player option for 2023, and then there's a club option for 2024. Um, but he's about to win his second Cy Young in a row, and is pitching about as good as anybody. Yeah. So you're just thinking straight up? Yep, that would be my my thing, straight up. He won the Cy last year, right? I think he did, right? He must have. Yeah. Am I making that up? No, I think you're right. All right, I'm second guessing myself. But what do you think about that trade, and would you do it? No. But it's interesting. And he did win it last year. I wasn't making it up. I wouldn't do it either, uh, to be, to be honest. But that's the one I thought of because, in terms of other pitchers who are relatively close. 
guy like Shane Bieber, um, Herman Marquez was close on this list. Blake Snell was close on this list. Jose Berrios, I wouldn't trade for any of those guys. Uh, I wouldn't trade Devers for any of those. I wouldn't trade him for Chris Paddock. He was up there pretty high on that list. Um, and I just don't see any real position players who I would want to trade him for at this point. No. I was trying to think if there was any nothing was coming to mind at least but like precedent for uh someone that young being centerpiece of a trade i mean typically you hang on to guys like that yeah and i i couldn't think of anything i mean gleber torres was traded but he hadn't i mean he i don't think he was an a-ball at the time so i mean he hadn't even debuted yet addison russell i think he was in like double a and that was that was a really terrible trade, kind of all the way around. Smarter than Hamill. That was poopy. Let me give you one yeah, more. Yeah, it just, it just it doesn't happen. Would I do that? Yeah, Mike Soroka. No. I wouldn't either. Pitcher's Mike. What if it was like Mike Soroka plus Drew Waters for, for Devers? And that would allow you to shed some money and maybe keep... Um, no, still no. Benny. No, I agree. Let's keep Devers. That's a good idea. Yeah. He's good. All right, question number two, which I like better because it doesn't make me think about trading him. Uh, renderings of an MLB ballpark here in Nashville were shown recently. The Nashville Stars, look them up. I did. It does look dope. Thoughts on the possibility of an expansion in, say, 32 teams or... Uh, for teams to pick up and move. So I don't think that um, expansion is happening anytime soon. And a few of the articles that I looked at while I was looking up pictures of the new Nashville ballpark renderings, which do look amazing, um, you know, said just that, that they don't, they feel like really good at 30 teams right now, MLB. But I do think that the Oakland A's and Tampa Bay Rays are clearly clearly the two clubs that are most in danger of moving. The A's have threatened to move to Las Vegas if uh, the suit isn't dropped by the municipality about ownership of the Coliseum. Um, And then the Rays, man, they just, like, can't draw, and that stadium's in the worst spot ever. So I think if I was looking for a team to relocate, it would be the Rays. I think putting the Rays in Nashville would be fantastic. You get to move a really good, smart ball club to a really great city and one that you know, would actually appreciate having a baseball team. Would Nashville be your your city? Oh, wow, that is wild. That pretty is pretty nice. dope. Yeah. yeah. So would Nashville be your city for expansion? Um, I think that's a pretty damn good option. Um, My number one is uh, one of, well, probably North Carolina. But Carolina in general is just a really great hotbed for baseball. So, um, I mean, there's a ton of minor league baseball in the area as it is. Um, And they always draw. Same with, like, Charlotte Knights. So that area is just a really great spot for a team. So I'd, I'd plop one in there. That would be a good spot, too. And it's interesting that we pick two states directly next to each other. Yeah. Um, Nashville, though, when you look at um, 
the demographics of people who go to Nashville. It's like white people, 55 and up. <laughs> and that's exactly who goes to baseball games. <laughs> and bachelorettes. <laughs> yes, and tons of bachelorettes. Um, yeah, I think either of those places would be great. Um, I always think Texas could use another team. Like, I think San Antonio would be a good option. Vancouver. What about Portland, Oregon? Portland. So usually whenever I'm talking about expansion, the two two cities I go to are uh, Charlotte or Durham, just one, somewhere in North Carolina, and Portland. Yeah. The Portland fan base is probably, like, top three in all mm-hmm. of sports. Like, Portland shows up for yeah. all of their sports. They support Hardcore. their timbers. Yeah. And... Um, they pretty much hate Seattle and anything that goes on with Seattle. So nice little uh, rivalry is already set up. Don't even need to try and establish one because I already got it. So drop one in, uh, for me, it's uh, in North Carolina. Add that to, I don't know, one of the, I guess, AL East maybe. If we're if you're moving Tampa somewhere, really, I just think Tampa needs to relocate their ballpark because it's in just a terrible spot. And if it was actually like in Tampa or St. Pete, I think a lot of their problems would be solved. I support moving that ball club to Nashville or Charlotte or Durham or you know. Portland, I don't care. Move them, move them, and and if you have to re, you know, shuffle the divisions, there's plenty of ways you can do that that makes sense. Um, you know, the Red Sox traveling all the way down to Florida for divisional games is probably dumb anyway. It's a far, far trip. Yeah, I do like these. Uh, these, these renderings, though, they look really cool. And Nashville's a really cool city that does turn out for their teams. Like, they have really embraced the Nashville Predators. Which you wouldn't expect, because it's not exactly a hotbed for hockey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they love that team. All right, next question comes from Kaysen Sirois, and he says, Who do you want to fill the coaching staff vacancies? Pitching coach, assistant pitching coach, and assistant hitting coach. So we didn't really get a chance to talk about this because we haven't had a pod in a while. Yeah. What uh, What was your reaction to Daniel Levangie? My reaction was that I thought Daniel Levangie was a little bit scapegoated and that um, I thought he deserved one more crack at getting to manage this pitching staff. I agree. Um, I understand it, but I don't like it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, In terms of this question, though, I really don't have any strong feelings about this. Um, Matt wrote an article on OTM about this. I'm trying to find it right now. Um, Oh, candidates to become the next pitching coach. Yeah, he had a few interesting ones. Mickey Calloway, Ray Searage, Dave Island, Jason Veritek, Mark Pryor, Chris Young, and Scott Atchison. We did talk about hmm. these candidates on the Locked On uh, podcast, and 
I remember coming away from it thinking that the ones I liked the most were the idea of Mickey Calloway and Scott Atchison. Um, you know, Atchison pitched 13 seasons in big league bullpens, a really nice guy by all accounts, and Mickey Calloway was an amazing pitching coach for the Indians before he became a really bad manager for the Mets. Yeah, and uh, Pryor is actually about to become the pitching coach for the Dodgers, so you can cross him off the list. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't feel terribly strongly about it. We were Before we started recording, we were just kind of talking about stuff, and I pitched to Jake uh, mostly as a joke. But the Red Sox could save on salary by giving that assistant hitting coach job to uh, J.D. Martinez and pay him half of his payroll salary <laughs> to be a coach <laughs> and then, you know, save against the luxury tax that way. So I like to see that happen, but you know, we'll see. Don't hate it. Don't hate it at all. He's already filling that role anyways. May as well get paid for it. Right. That's what I'm saying. And then Al Sands has our last question. He says, "How can the Sox get out of this financial mess?" And is Andrew Friedman the answer? Well, um, he's about to get locked up by the Dodgers as well. So yeah. That would have been pretty interesting if he had been. Yeah, I just don't see an easy way out of this. I think that I do. someone in the Andrew Friedman vein is a good idea. But what is your easy way out of this? Here? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a two-step process because, you know, as we said before, there's actually a lot of money that's coming off the books next year. So, I mean, you can do... What you can to limit this year, but I don't think you're going to get under it this year. And I think you just have to eat the whatever the bonuses are for one more year and then get under it next year. And seeing, like, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s salary, I mean, like you said, I don't really want to pay him $11 million. So maybe he's an easy trade target. I mean, and getting – so him um, being traded and Pedroia retiring would put both of our – roster is well under but Pedroia's contract runs through 2021 so where's the big savings for 2020 at the end of 2020 it would be what his salary is that 12 million bucks i mean it's still a lot of money no but it, he, he's still on for 2021 which is what i'm saying right Remember? so i mean if he retires you don't have to pay him right but how are you going to get a guy to give up that money i don't know i mean he hasn't played in two years Ask him super nicely. Yeah. I mean, he already was <laughs> contemplating it after having not been able to get on the field for two years and completely stepped away from it. I mean, yeah. I really don't want the end of Dustin Pedroia to be this way, but, I mean, you know, Tom Brady said it best, but it usually doesn't end very pretty. You yeah. don't really get to end it on your own terms. And this is – it's very rare that guys leave like David Ortiz did. Yeah, and th- I mean, this is normally how guys go, <laughs> and it really, really sucks to think of uh, a guy like Pedroia, who was like such an Iron Man, to kind of go out this way. But if he's already contemplating it, then I don't think it's. I think it's more likely than not that he does retire, even with this money on the books. Because I mean, what is he going to do? He's just going to sit in the dugout and just watch for two seasons. Yeah, you're right. There'll probably be some resolution 
uh, of this situation one way or the other by the time spring training rolls around, which, you know, could be the saving grace for the Red Sox. Yeah, but I think it's really aggressive to try and make it all up in one go, basically. And I think you have to use this year as a transition year, particularly not knowing what's going to happen um, with Mookie in the future, and which kind of sucks to think about it that way and thinking that you may end up kind of just cashing in the season, which may be Mookie's last, but find a way to reduce some of the salary and put the best team that you can out there on the field. And I think, honestly, if you do that with a healthy pitching rotation, you're still going to challenge for the division. So you would still have a year of competing left, and then whatever happens the following season, then you reset. That would be my plan as GM, so hire me. I also wouldn't lose Mookie, so also hire me. Keaton 2020, we're here for you. I like your plan, Keaton, because it involves keeping Mookie. Yeah. That's a good one. All right, well, that is our show today. We do appreciate you guys sending in questions, as always. Um, And we will be here with you again uh, in two weeks, so not next week, the week after, unless uh, we get some crazy breaking news that we must speak to you about that'd be fun so let's hope for that yeah um so thanks for tuning in thanks for the download we do appreciate it and we'll be with you next time